Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Awesome. You excited about tonight? Yeah, no, really good. Look We've forward been talking to about it a while. We yeah. have. And uh, Daniel's, Daniel's become a good friend uh, of mine and a good friend to many people in this church. And so it's a real privilege to have you tonight. Uh, but I don't want to assume here that everyone here knows you. And so the first question I'm going to throw your way is simply, who is Daniel Carlin? Uh, who is Daniel Carlin? Um, well, I'm 21 years old. Uh, grew up in Gola, so semi-local. I uh, went to Trinity College. Um, Currently, I'm studying over in the U.S. at a Westmont College while still on a basketball scholarship. So uh, I've been over there the last three years, and I'm back here on my summer break, enjoying winter. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's, uh, that's who I am. i got uh, mom and dad, Sean and Sharon Carlin, uh, brother Nathan, um, and yeah, that's, that's me in a nutshell. That's you in a nutshell. Happy with that? How tall are you? Uh, six foot eight, about 204, 205 centimeters. That's about three inches taller than me. <laughs> Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like yeah, that. cool. <laughs> okay, now, now these are the really important questions. Okay, I'm going to throw a few at you. Yep. Um, who's better, crows or port? Oh, definitely port. Yeah! Are you serious? Yes. I, I thought I was a shoe-in for the crows there. Are you serious? No, yeah. It's, uh, I mean, it's a decision that half my family's very happy with. The other half probably hates me a little bit for it, but... I'm hating you right now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Is it worth mentioning who won the football this week? Uh, Holden or Ford? Uh, my dad's got a nice F100 pickup truck that's been in the family for a little while, so I'm definitely going to have to go forward. Oh. Ouch. These are stupid questions. Are you serious? Yeah. You grew up north of Adelaide and you go, you want, really, forward? Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, my reason isn't that deep, but you should see it. it's a great truck. Well, I knew we'd learn some things about you tonight, but I didn't think, I thought these were shoe-ins for the certain answers. Anyway, uh, cats or dogs? Uh, definitely a dog person. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Yeah. I've got, uh, I've got two adorable uh, German short head pointers at home, uh, Marley and, well, Brat Worse, but we, had, we adopted him so we didn't get to pick his name. Uh. Fair enough. Okay. Um, imagine this one-on-one. -on -one. LeBron versus KD, who wins? LeBron. Yeah, definitely We LeBron. cannot be friends too much longer, mate. Um, Spurs or Knicks? Oh, definitely Knicks, yeah. There we go. Yeah, New okay, York. cool. All right. And your favourite player in the NBA? Uh, currently Carmelo Anthony. Yeah, he's a Knicks fan, so got to go with him. Happy he stayed, otherwise that would have sucked. <laughs> Are we happy with these answers, young people? Are we happy? Are we happy with that? Happy with that? Paul, yeah. Yeah. What about Michael Jordan versus Michael Jackson? <laughs> That's not a real question. That's just... I hope so. I just thought I'd throw that one in. Um, 
You mentioned your parents are here. Uh, I know that they have a bit of a sporting background, so why don't you tell us about their exploits and what they've been up to? Yeah, um, well, mum and dad both did uh, track and field. Dad was a, a hammer thrower, mum was a high jumper. Uh, dad competed at two Olympics, uh, was a Commonwealth game gold medalist, uh, Commonwealth game record holder for a long time. Uh, mum was also an elite level high jumper, so that's where uh, my sporting background genetics come into play. Is anyone feeling a little bit inferior and insignificant right now? <laughs> like when God was just making everyone, he kind of put a little bit extra into some families. Have you, <laughs> anyone feeling like that right now? That's awesome. You come from a very, very talented family. Yeah, yeah. Fantastic. They're awesome. Awesome. So, um, why basketball? Of all the sports in the world, why basketball? And have you been involved in any other sports? Yeah. Um, well, growing up, I did uh, a little bit of football, but... After I realized I couldn't kick a ball, I kind of just threw that away. Um, basketball, I started when I was pretty young. I was about seven. Um, I was actually really, really horrible at first. Probably took me about three years to score a goal. Uh, my first team ever was called the Titanics. We played at Gola Rec Center. And uh, we didn't win much. And when we lost, other kids would tell us that we sunk instead of <laughs> we sucked. Um, so yeah, I did that, and then I, uh, I did a little bit of uh, track and field for high school, just represented Trinity um, and that, but it was pretty much basketball just all the way through, kind of something I just uh, I fell in love with and it was easy to work hard for. Fantastic. That sounds good. Well, I think before we go any further in this little conversation that we're having, we need to prove whether or not he's actually legit, okay? Because, you know, you can do a lot of things with movies these days. <laughs> And you can make people look a lot better than they are. So I thought it'd be fantastic if we could just bring a ring out right now. Yeah. And uh, we can get you doing a few little drills. Is that all right? Just to prove that you are legitimate about what you say. Because, you know, I could tell you, I could tell everyone I dunk a ball too. But uh, yeah. the proof's in the pudding. And yeah. so I, heard, uh, I heard Mitch wanted to play me one-on-one. That's what I heard. We can arrange that too if you'd like. Yeah, yeah. yeah okay, we well, well, how about we do this? We'll do a few drills. Okay, we'll do... Um, We'll do a free throw to see what you oh. can do. Okay. Oh. Hey. Was it that difficult, boys? I mean, really? Yeah. Is this safe? <laughs> I, I, have, I have no idea. Maybe someone should stand on the back of that, maybe. I don't know. So how about we do this? We'll just see how good you are from the free throw line. The free throw line. Okay. We'll see how good you are at dunking, and okay. then we'll see how you, good you are at going one-on-one -on -one with my son. Okay. All so right. you give me the microphone. All righty. Okay. Uh, let's put our hands together for this man. And so that's not a free throw. It's, I'm sure it's further back. I'm sure. We need someone just to get the rebound, okay? Okay. So um, there's, there's no pressure. And, and I realize, I realize you don't have your jersey on, so there's not as much movement. I realize that. But uh, if you don't get it in, we, we cancel the interview. We just, we finished, okay. No, I'm joking. Okay, no pressure. All right. There we go. Oh! Can we have another shot? Have another shot. There we go. Come on. There we go. <laughs> oh! The good thing is it hit the ring in exactly the same spot as last time. That's good. There we go. That's in. There we go. All right. All right. And now... Now that you've proven you can do that, that's pretty impressive. What about dunking the ball? Can you do that? <laughs> oh! You impressed? 
I'm impressed. Okay, where's Mitch? Is he around? Where's Mitch? There he is. How tall are you, Mitch? Six foot what? Actually, I think it's like five two. Five two. All right, so it's a bit of a height disadvantage for you, but my faith's on you, my friend. So come on. A quick one on one. No. Okay, come on. He needs some encouragement. Let's put our hands together for Mitch. Come on, Mitch. Oh, there we go. There we go. Come on. No, no, take him on, man. Come on. Come on. You can do this, Mitch. You can do this, Mitch. Come on. Shut up, Mitch. Come on, Mitch. Come on, Mitch. Oh. All right. Now, now you defend Ken, uh, Daniel, so then <laughs> this will be good. This is nice. There we go. There we go. Come on. Oh, my gosh. Let's put your hands together for Daniel and for Mitch. Come up here. There we go. So, so he's got the goods. We agree? Can continue this uh, little conversation? There you go, my friend. Look at that. Four yeah. men, four men, five men. That's awesome. I'm happy I survived that. My coach is here. Probably be too happy if uh, <laughs> I went down right there. It's great. Fantastic. All right. So we know you can play basketball. Yeah. But there's not a lot of basketballers that just walk into church as you did. Mm-hmm. Tell me, what made you come to Victory Church when you came to Victory Church? And how long ago was that? Um... Yeah, I came to Victory, oh, it must have been a bit over three years ago. Uh, it was probably about three months before I went to the States the first time. And um, for me, it was kind of, I don't know, I was in just this weird place. I was kind of out of high school. Um, in a sense, I think I was kind of, I was a bit spiritually hungry. Um, I didn't know exactly what I wanted, but I kind of had that urge, that thought that, oh, like, maybe I should go to church. Um, and it kind of just remained a thought until... I met a girl, and uh, we, we, uh, we got talking, and we liked each other a fair bit, but she told me that, you know, I, I don't think I can really date you. You're not a Christian. I thought, oh, well, it's kind of messed up. <laughs> um, Are you saying the woman made you do it? Uh, I mean, it was definitely, you know, like the, the spark that kind of got it going, and I guess it was... Um, what actually made me do it. I think I would have gone eventually, but um, who knows when that would have been. But uh, yeah, that definitely gave me a bit of extra motivation. I go, oh, well, might as well check it out. Um, I came to Victory uh, just because I knew uh, that my godfather, Matthew Knowles, him and his family would be on there and just felt that uh, if I was going to go to church, try to come to a place where I could feel comfortable with, maybe know a couple of people before I got here. Um, And so, yeah, I walked in here and, I mean, growing up, kind of, from a bit of an Anglican background, I think Trinity was Anglican school. I was baptized in Anglican church, so kind of somewhat traditional. And the other service I've been to had been Catholic services, so I really thought this was kind of a weird building to walk into for church. And then I saw the worship happen. I was like, whoa, it's like a rock concert in here. Um, so that kind of got me thinking, oh, maybe this is something I could get into. And, uh, yeah, it was uh, probably... A month or so here, I gave my life to Christ, and then, yeah, just stayed here until I moved off, and every time I come back, I'm always in here, um, 
But yeah, that's essentially how I got to victory. Fantastic. We, we have a, a lot of people in this church, and it never ceases to amaze me uh, what inspires people to first come to church, and whether it's the girl, whether it's the guy, whether it's loneliness, whether it's the loss of a job, the loss of a loved one, whether it's just someone who's wanting something more, but they didn't know what. And that's what I love about church life, is that there are so many different people from so many walks of life with so many different stories. And so that's just fantastic to hear. Um, another question I have for you then would be, not just why did you come to victory, but, but why Jesus? I mean, the world would tell us there's a lot of religions out there. So why Jesus as opposed to everything else that is on offer out there? Yeah, um, I mean, growing up, I think I kind of now, like, I would think of it as is kind of like an agnostic Christianity. Um, I didn't really know. And then I kind of figured that, oh, well, if there is a God, it's probably, probably is Jesus. I think just growing up and being exposed to that uh, early on through school and uh, things like that made me think, like, well, if it is a God, it's probably this God. Um, I think growing up, I always thought there'd be some point in my life where I'd uh, I'd find a kind of a religion that I could follow. I always felt like my life would end up that way. Uh, whether it was Christianity, I wasn't necessarily sure, but I thought there's going to be a point where I'm going to kind of explore that and see, um, see what I want and thought it would probably be a bit later on. Um, probably, I think the concern that I had going into religion was that I thought it was something, it was a lot of rules that I had to follow um, or that I had to change myself to be good enough uh, to fit into that religion. And so I think why, uh, why Christianity got me, why Jesus got me was when I realized that I really didn't have to do anything to change myself, that, uh, that he would come and meet me exactly where I was at. And that regardless of... Uh, I mean, whether I sinned, whether I would sin again, that it didn't change how much he loved me. Um, and so I think that's what just really, I don't know, it really touched me. And I mean, it, it kind of shook me a lot. I just, I, I don't know if I was ready for it. I, like, it just, it was something that overwhelmed me. And it was when I kind of, I felt that, that overwhelming presence that I knew, like, this is it. Like, this is real. This is what I want. Um, and so I think it was just that. That's a strong emotional presence I had when I would I would come in here and uh, it was like every time it was like man like I love this I love this um, and I was kind of like I just wanted to keep like give my give my life to Christ do it do it but I just I couldn't there was something that kept holding me back and it was when like I just really felt like God say like no like you're good enough as you are I want you as you are um, like just come to me and that's and I, I just went, 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 yep, I'm doing it, I'm doing it. I came to a Sunday night service. I decided I was doing it, like, way before. I, didn't, I can't even remember what anyone talked about, but as soon as someone said, like, who wants to, I was, yep, me. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, that's essentially how I came to Jesus, and, I mean, all those reasons I said it are why I stay following it every day. It's fantastic. Isn't that awesome? You mentioned you came to Victory Church about a month after that. You gave your life to Christ, and that was before you embarked on a journey to the States. Yep. So what does a young man like yourself, who's just become a new Christian, who's moving into another country, what does he do when he first rocks up in the States? What was important to you? What was it important to find for you when you um, 
Yeah. To the um, well, I guess for me, the good thing about uh, when I decided to become a Christian here, I had a, I had a lot of good support. Um, obviously, my girlfriend uh, still is my girlfriend now. Uh, she was a Christian, so I had left support. Uh, I imported at the time. Uh, Josh Colash, he came out here a few times, and he was supportive of me. Uh, my coach, Scotty Whitmore, um, he was there. And so I felt like I had a good group of people around me. And being, I guess, so early on in my faith, I knew that if I wanted to continue it, that I was going to need a good community uh, around me. And so before I left to go over to Casper uh, College was my first school I went to. I, uh, we just looked up some churches online, and, uh, and it was a, a Calvary Chapel in Casper. And I just sent him an email and said, hey, look, uh, I'm coming over, um, looking for a home church. Is there any way that someone could come pick me up from campus and I could check out your church? And um, they were really good. I think at first probably planned on trying to check out a few, but they, uh, they sent people to pick me up. And uh, it, was a, it was a really small church, but it was just like a family away from home. They looked after me, uh, you know, just, I mean, would feed me, let me do their washing in their place. And so I think that's when... I uh, see. When you have to pay for it in college, it's not that fun. So, it's a real blessing when someone says, "Come over, you know, we'll do it for you." Um, I think that was when I kind of first got my experience, just like the body of Christ, really, as something global that wasn't just in Adelaide; it was everywhere, and right. um, really helping me out there. And so I think that's when um, I don't know. I really started getting like a feel for it, and really like I was getting confirmed in what I was doing. Uh, my first year away, uh, I mean, moving away from, uh, I wasn't living anywhere near my girlfriend at the time or um, anyone I really knew, so I was like, well, this is time to make this mine. Um, so my first year, I really uh, just dove into my Bible and was like, well, I really need to know what I'm believing in. Um, and so just kind of went as hard as that as I could. Uh, and then coming up, Casper was a junior college, so you only stay there one or two years before you move on to a four-year university. And I was looking for a school, and uh, the school I attend now, Westmont College, uh, it's a Christian liberal arts school, and so I thought that would be a great place. It's, uh, it's somewhere where I can kind of combine the like, Christian aspect, Christian learning with the degree I already have. Um, I really want to make it a head in the heart thing. I think that first year was very much a heart thing and emotionally driven, um, but I wanted to make sure that I felt like I was educated in it, and so... Uh, going to Westmont was uh, a good decision for me where I could get that head and a heart um, and just really strengthen all aspects of my relationship with God. That's great. That's good. I've been to the States many times. I have not been involved in the culture nor the basketball scene, particularly college basketball, but I have seen High School Musical. Yeah, it's and pretty so, similar. So... I get some of the things that may go on that are almost uh, a counterculture to Christianity. How have you been able to balance the culture at college basketball level and yet remain true to your faith and belief? Yeah, um, I guess probably the, the biggest thing for me was really finding out where my identity was. Um, for my whole life from, I mean, probably 11 or 12 since... I started picking up ball, getting really good at it. Uh, in my mind, I was just Daniel Kyle in the basketball. Everything that I did was based in that. Um, still, when I went away, it wasn't really any different. Um, but it was kind of when I made this this switch from not having my identity in basketball or sport, but actually my identity in Christ. 
And so it, it's kind of, it's funny how it happened. Um, I, mean, I think Kendi Whitmore is here. Um, but she, uh, it's my coach's wife, and about, well, it was probably four months before I ever became a Christian, um, I was w going to Scotty's place, and we're having a barbecue or something with some of the guys, and I was the last one in, and she grabbed me and pulled me aside and said, Daniel, I just want to tell you that you're a great basketballer, but that's not who you are. And at the time, I was like, oh, that, that's, that's really nice. But I, <laughs> I, I didn't really uh, know what that really meant. And so I just kind of took for what it was. Like, oh, that's like sweet. Like, I am more than a basketball. That's cool. Um, but then I went away, and it was I found myself truly really being consumed by however basketball was going. was really how my mood was going, everything was going. And it wasn't until God said that exact same thing to me that it really clicked. And he said, Daniel, you're a great basketballer, but that's not who you are. And that is where I think everything really changed for me. Um, and yeah, so kind of just that identity shift helped me to really um, balance my Christian lifestyle and my, um, I mean, basketball and the college lifestyle. And it just allowed me to um, really hold true to what I believe. Um, and yeah, I think that's, uh, that's probably the best way I can describe it is having my identity in Christ, it didn't matter if I had a good game, bad game. Uh, I mean, that was all fine because my identity was something so much more solid. Um, and so I could keep coming back to that and whether it was on the court, off the court, uh, I had that, um, that backbone in Christ kind of strengthened me the whole time. Fantastic. You are definitely more than a basketballer. You're becoming a, a public you. speaker, mate. Well done, doing a great job. Uh, what motivates Daniel Carlin? What keeps you motivated? Yeah, um, well, in the video, uh, mentions an audience of one. And so that really, for me, is my motivation. So I think what that means is just um, playing for God. And just that's, I mean, that's kind of it. Just that audience of one, um, playing to glorify him. And so I think every time... Uh, I step out on the court now, whether it be practice or a game, just shooting by myself. Uh, it's that acknowledgement that what I've been given is a gift um, and that it's only right for me to give that gift back to him. And so, I mean, you can put your motivation in a lot of different things, um, especially as an athlete. Uh, you know, growing up, you, if you really love a coach, it's all like, oh, I want to play for the coach. But as soon as you and that coach get into an argument, it's like, oh, I don't want to play that hard anymore. Or, you know, you play for, like, I'm going to play for my teammates. Teammates get into a fight or they do something in the game you don't like. Kind of say, well, all right, well, I'm going to do my own thing. Um, play for a crowd size, bigger or smaller, depends. And so I think, I mean, I, I, love, uh, I love my coaches. I love all my teammates. Uh, I love playing in front of big crowds. Uh, but at the end of the day, that's just kind of something extra, a little cherry on top that uh, I get to go out and uh, play and do what I love to do with them. But... It's my motivation in God that he's, he's consistent, he's never changing, um, he's never going to do anything that like, is offend me or out of in, like, my worst interest so I can never turn around and say, hey, like, why'd you do that? I'm not going to play for you anymore. Um, and so it's just kind of that, that mindset every time I step out, it's just, all right, this is to glorify you. Um, you know, thank you for what you've given me, now let me give it back. Great.
There's a lot of talk out there of success. Most people would strive for success and often get that around their necks. People might look at you and say, there's a successful young man. How do you describe success? Yeah, that's, uh, that's a tough question. Um, I think the thing about success is it's very subjective. Um, and like you said, someone could look at me and say, like, oh, you're successful. But at the same time, I can always look at someone else and go, oh, well, they're more successful than me. That's where I should be. I'm not uh, successful. So I think the biggest thing for me is success. It's a very personal thing. And so I think you do that by setting goals and then go and achieve those goals. And so whatever it is, it's, it's kind of that it, personal thing that, um, you know, for me, if it's when I was in high school, I said I wanted to be a college basketball player and I worked hard, I achieved that goal, I can say that's a success, you know. There were guys that are my age, they're in the NBA, um, and if I said, like, oh, well, yeah, sure, I play college basketball, but I'm not in the NBA, like, that's not that great. Um, I think the thing is with comparison is just that it kills joy, and that's something that you don't want to have, and so success, it's a very personal thing, and so I think that when you can set goals and you can achieve them, um, and that's when you can define success by yourself. I think the other thing with success as well is a lot of people will try hard, hard and over day, and they really want something, but for some reason they just can't ever get it. Um, and for Christians, I think sometimes there's people, they try and they try and they try and they don't get it, and then it's kind of, well, like, who else do I have to blame? I've tried my best, so I have to blame God. Um, the thing is that is that, I mean, you know, God works for those who love him and have been called according to his purpose. And so even if you're striving to achieve something, you don't get it, it just means that he has something better. Just because you don't have success doesn't change who he is. Mm. Um, it just means there's something different for you. Um, and it's going to be different, but it's going to be better than what you wanted anyway. Um, so I think success is something you definitely have to keep in check. You can't let it really... Um, consume you, but it's something you have to, you know, set goals and try to achieve. That's great. You are successful, by the way. Thank you. <laughs> In the scriptures, we see Jesus was incredible at taking something from the culture of the day and turning it into a parable turning it into a teaching moment. And so he saw a bunch of uh, fishermen and he'd speak about fishing to make a point that the kingdom of heaven is like that. My question to you is, are there any parallels that you see in what you do playing basketball with Christianity? Oh, yeah. I mean, every day I think I step out and God teaches me um, another lesson. I think probably the biggest overall thing is, I mean, you really get out what you put in. So if you go out there and you train hard every day and you do the right thing, then, you know, you get better and uh, you become a better athlete, a better basketball, whatever it is. Um, same thing with your walk in Christ. If you're in there, you're reading your word, you're praying, you're kind of doing all those steps, you get to go further in your walk. Um, and on the flip side of that, if you're, you know, you're kind of lukewarm with everything, you don't want to go to practice that much, you're not putting in the extra effort, then you don't reach your potential. Um, and that's, uh, I mean, that's the same thing with a walk with Christ as well. If you kind of just put it on the back burner, then you're never going to get to where you really could be. There we go. Preach it. 
Couldn't have said that better myself, mate. That's a, that's a great, great word. A um, couple more questions. Uh, what do you want to be remembered for? Yeah, um, I mean, I guess at the end, um, if I could be remembered as a man of God and, you know, someone that just loved people, loved life, I think that would be great. Um, but I think more than what I'd like to be remembered for is what I'd like to, people to remember at themselves when they thought of me. And so it's one thing that I've kind of been able to experience um, going over and leaving the States is that I've just had, I mean, a fantastic family, um, great friends. And so their, I mean, their love and support for me has just been unreal. Like I count my blessings every day when I just, I'm around them and I think of them. And so when I go to the States, I didn't get to take them with me and I can't have them there every day. But it's that support that they've given me that even when it's something's going wrong or I'm homesick that I can think of that and remember that to them that like I am important and that I have worth and that I have people that back me up and so I think at the end of the day um, what I want to be remembered for is when people remember me those closest to me that they would know that they are important to me that I'm proud of them and so that when they think of me they can feel better about themselves it's a good word a good way. This last question is a bit of a free-for-all, but I need Jen and I need Fiona to come up here, a little bit of music in the background, just a bit of reflective. Just make it sound real deep. Yeah, make it sound real deep. <laughs> Put a bit of reverb on your microphone, auto-tune it, you can sing a song then. <laughs> but if you had one thing to say to this company of people, what would it be? What would you like to leave this precious group of people tonight remembering? Yeah, um, I think the, probably the biggest thing for me and something that I have to remember today is we're all on our own uh, spiritual journey. I think wherever we are with that, if you know, we don't really believe in God at all, to if you know, we're deep into our years with Christ, that we're always on this journey. Um, and so... I think the biggest thing for me that I always try to do is every day I want to try and make my worldview better and by that kind of trying to align my worldview more with God each day. I mean, obviously God's an infinite being is the creator of everything, so I'm, I'm never going to get there, but it's something good to, um, to aim and achieve for. And so just be on a, whatever you try to, whatever you read, whatever you think, just to improve that each day and then let those thoughts improve your actions. Um, and then just to remember that, you know, whatever you do, whether it's, um, you know, you're an athlete, whether it's your work, what you do doesn't define who you are um, and that your identity is in Christ. That's something so much stronger than uh, anything that we get here. Um, and, you know, just with that, everywhere you go in your journey, you have a bunch of people that are around you in your sphere of influence or so. I mean, just be there for them, love them, uh, serve them as best you can. And at the end of the day, just try and better yourself. Um, so, you know, it's not just through a basketball game or not just through song, but your entire life could be a living worship to God. Um, I think if I could leave everyone with something, that would probably be it. Wow. Yeah. Can we put our hands together for Daniel?
I want to thank you for your time tonight. I, I trust that uh, in our hearing, we've heard and seen. It's, it's one thing to hear something, but to see a life being lived according to what is being said is quite miraculous. And I want to commend you for that. And before you leave, I'd love to pray with you, but you stay seated. Because okay. I'm going to stand next to you. You'll be taller than me. <laughs> okay, I can do that. But I would love to just pray with you. Um, is that all right? Can we just join in prayer for Daniel? That'd be fantastic. Yeah, Father, I want to thank you for Daniel. I want to thank you for his life. I want to thank you for his example. I want to thank you, dear God, that he's been a blessing to us while he's been with us on spring break. But we just pray as he leaves us to go back to the States, your protective hand would be upon him. You grant him traveling mercies. You continue to open doors of opportunity for him within the basketball arena. But also, Lord, I pray that uh, you would bless him and grant him opportunities to shine your light to people that he meets wherever he may go. We ask, dear God, that your gracious hand be upon him in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Thanks so much, my friend. Let's put our hands together for Daniel Carlin. Thanks, buddy. You can, you can go that away. Hang on, let's just do a quick height examination. We just stand back to back just to see how, how tall we are. About three inches. Wow, look at that. It's not too bad. Yeah. You can go. Let's put our hands together one more time for Daniel. If we can have these stools taken and the table, that'd be great. You know, I didn't want to interrupt Daniel as he was sharing his story, but I I couldn't help sit there and listen to him and not have a few thoughts. And I don't want to take long, but I do want to read one portion of Scripture. Because in the video promo of Daniel's, he said this line. He said, I've been born on purpose for a purpose. And I believe that is true for every person in this room. I don't believe it's just for Daniel and his incredibly talented family. The trouble with a story like tonight, we can miss the point and we can say, it's okay for him. Look how tall he is. Look how talented he is. Look how good looking he is. He's even got tattoos. He's got everything. (laughs) But every one of you in this place, has been born on purpose for a purpose. And that simply means that we've all been created in a certain way by a certain someone to to do a certain something. I believe that with all my heart. I would not do what I do Sunday after Sunday and Sunday through the week if I did not believe this to be true. I believe there's a God in heaven who knows you by name. There's some 7 million people on the planet today and every number has a name and every name has a story and every story matters to God. Your name and your story matter to God. 
It doesn't matter what your background, it doesn't matter what you've been involved in or what you're presently involved in. God knows and He sees. And more importantly, He doesn't think less of you. See, it's one thing to love somebody when they do what you want them to do, when you want, they want them to do it. But the love this God of ours has goes beyond a, a human natural love. This is a love to be able to look deeply inside of a person, see us warts and all, know everything about us, every depraved thought, every wicked thought, knowing every action that we've ever done, every pain that we've ever brought to a person or to ourselves, and yet He still loves us. That's not a natural love, that's a supernatural love. That's a love that can only be found in God. And in Psalm 139, verse 13, it says, For you created me in my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. That means that there is no mistakes in this room. You may not have been planned by your parents. You may not even know who your parents are, but you are not an accident because God saw you even before the world saw you. He saw your unformed body in your mother's womb and He knew at that moment, you were created on purpose for a purpose. And you're not, not only not an accident, but it's not an accident that you're here tonight. It says, all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. I asked Daniel the question, why Jesus? There's lots of other religions out there. And he summed it up so well. In his struggle initially, it was about not being good enough. But the reason he was able to come to Christ is because he realised he didn't have to be good enough before he came. You see, the difference between Jesus and every other religion is this, that Jesus came to us. Every other religion is about us doing something to get to God. But Christianity will have none of that. Christianity is about a God that loves us and sees us in our sin, sees us in our struggle, sees us in our pain, sees us in our turmoil, knowing we can't get ourselves out of the problem we're in. And so He came and gave us a hand. Every other religion is about getting to heaven. Christianity is about heaven coming to earth. And Daniel made that decision as many of us in this room have. To follow not a religion, but to follow a man. A man who is perfect in every way and loves us unconditionally. See, to me, the difference between religion and Christianity is this. 
Religion is based upon rules. Daniel said that. What I have to do, what I'm not allowed to do. And then we try for the rest of our lives to do what we have to do and try not to do what we don't want to do. The trouble is what we shouldn't do is the very thing we want to do. And the thing we should do is often the thing we don't want to do. Like eating Brussels sprouts. We know it's good for us, but we just don't want to eat Brussels sprouts. Except Clive, I know you're one of those weird people that like Brussels sprouts. But for the sake of the illustration, go with me. And Jesus made a way. He made it possible. Because in His heart was not getting you to perform like a robot. In his heart was to have what was lost and what was lost was a relationship. When Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden so many years ago, what was lost that day was communion. What was lost was the relationship. And God's into relationship. He's not into your works, He's into you. But as you know, with every relationship, it takes two to make it work. You know that to be true. I'm sure you've been in a relationship where where you might have wanted it to work and you tried your best. You did everything you possibly could. You made the phone calls. You initiated all you could. But it wasn't reciprocated. Bear with me, church, because I know you know this story. But there are many here tonight that don't know this story and they want to know it. I know they want to know it. But when I was in grade four, I I, I fell head over heels in love with a young lady. I don't know how old grade four makes you. It's about eight, ten. Depends if you pass or not. You could be, some people are probably 27. But I was somewhere in that young age and I really liked this girl. And I never forget one term I got to sit next to her. And and my attitude, whatever is mine is yours. And so I let her use the things in my pencil case, my eraser, my pens, my pencils, my rulers. What was mine was hers. And and she took what I had to offer, but she never returned the favour. She never returned the love. Needless to say, that relationship never went anywhere. Not because I wasn't willing, I was willing. But this young lady, Meredith Shearer, (laughs) was not interested. I was heartbroken. With hindsight, and many years later, I say this, her loss. But that's another story. But at the time, it was gut-wrenching. Because I did everything I felt I could possibly do. It may seem like a silly little story. But I think it does depict something of what Jesus Christ did for us. He did all that He could do. And He waits for us to respond. And I believe when we choose to reject 
a loving advance, it breaks his heart. But he loves us so much, he's not going to make us because that wouldn't be true love. He's not going to buy us. He's not going to twist our arm. He's going to wait for us to respond. And if we will respond like Daniel did some three years ago, thereabouts, we come into a new relationship. It's a relationship with God. It doesn't make us perfect. It doesn't mean that we won't make mistakes or have our struggles. It means that at every moment of our day, we will have someone to do those moments with. Someone to do life with. Someone to bring a bigger perspective in our life. And I believe with all of my heart that Daniel's testimony, his story tonight, how he delivered it, how he shared it, brought a smile to the Father's face. Even though you missed two out of three free throws, I believe he's still smiling. Because this relationship is not a relationship based upon performance, but one based upon heart. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au. 